So how many of you are courageous enough to admit that that's not the first time you've heard that song? <laughs> and those of you that are young enough that is the first time you heard that song, well, congratulations, you make me sick. <laughs> yeah, very poor song choice. Um, the reason for that song is we're actually in the series we've called Economy. And uh, this is the third week of the series. And that word's not a real word. You won't find that uh, in the dictionary, so to speak. But really, it's the idea that every day, anytime you or I dive into the news cycle, whether it's watching the news, whether it's reading the news, whatever it happens to be listening to the news, it's very uh, rare that there's not gonna be some reference to the latest about the economy. It may be about the state economy. It may be about our national economy. It may be forces at work in our global economy. You'll hear property prices are going up. Property prices are coming down. Interest rates are going up. Interest rates are going down. All of these things play to the idea of the economy. The thing about that, and whilst you know some of you may be pundits and you keep some level of, it, of interest and, and track along with that, Ultimately, we have very little control, very little influence over the economy. However, one thing we have in contrast a lot of control over is our own personal economy. And uh, so we're teaching through over a four week period, pretty much the big rocks when it comes to how God instructs us to manage finances. And so God's big idea, you read through the Bible, God's big idea, as best as we can distill it, is that He actually owns everything, owns all the money, owns all the, the livestock, He owns everything. God's, God's, God's got it. And then He entrusts some of what He owns to us. And, 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 and then our role isn't then the owner, our role is instead the manager. We become the manager of God's stuff. In this case, we're talking specifically about finances. And um, when I think about that, I think, man, God's actually dropping some of what He owns in, in my bank account and He's asking me to manage it on His behalf. That sounds like a whole lot of responsibility. And it is. And that's the point. We need to understand that God actually charges us with an enormous amount of responsibility. The good news, however, is He's also given us instructions of how to manage His finances the way that He would have us manage it. We're not just left on our own. And so over these four weeks, we're just diving into some of God's principles about how we can manage what's ultimately His, but whilst it's in our world, it forms our own personal economy. And we're looking from the ancient book of Proverbs, which is uh, replete with many, many principles of how we could manage our finances. So I wanna take a deep dive straight away today. Uh, in our app, we've got uh, the Bible there. You can tap that. It's gonna take you to Proverbs chapter six. And uh, these um, ancient uh, Proverbs were written by a guy named Solomon. He was the king of Israel for a period. And, and one of the most uh, profound things about Solomon is when he became the king of Israel, God showed up and said, Solomon, what do you want? It, 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 almost like God kind of popped out of a bottle and said, Solomon, I'm gonna grant you one wish. You got one wish, what's it gonna be? 
And I think about that, if I'm just becoming the king of a new, uh, you know, my role of, of, of king of, of Israel, and God says, I'll give you one thing, what would have I wished for? What, what would have I said to God that I wanted the most? And uh, don't judge me, but you know, maybe I would have said power. You know, I'm about to become king, so I want some more power. Uh, maybe um, some more finances so I can kind of make things happen and people will love and respect me more as I begin my rule over them as the king. Uh, maybe I'd advise, give them, me respect, to make sure that people give me respect, I, whatever it is. You know what Solomon answered? He said, God, the thing that I want is more wisdom. And God said, good answer, buddy. And Solomon went on to become and considered the, the wisest person to have ever lived except for Jesus. And he ruled with wisdom. Not only did he rule with wisdom, he actually recorded the wisdom that he learned through his lifetime. And that's actually been encapsulated in this uh, book of Proverbs. And we've been just diving into some of the principles that Solomon's outlined when it comes to our personal economy. The first week we talked about this idea of wisdom that don't start praying for more money if you don't actually have wisdom somewhat keeping pace with that because you can be given more money, but if you lack wisdom, you'll fritter it away. Last week, we talked about debt. Debt, this third wheel in so many people's relationships. When you leave the house, it goes with you. When you come back, it's, it's gonna walk back in the door with you. When you go to work, it follows you there too. And uh, we're living in a, in a culture where debt, credit card debt, personal loans, uh, debt on depreciating assets is actually just considered normal. Well, it's just normal. Everyone's got it. Everyone has it. You just learn to live with it. And yet Solomon would say that the key to maximizing your freedom is by minimizing your debt. Because if you have debt, you no longer go to work to earn money just for yourself. You, you go work to work on Monday and that day you're working on behalf of Visa card. And then you turn up to work on Tuesday and you're working on behalf of the bank that lent you the money to buy your car. And it's not until Wednesday that you actually start earning money for yourself. And when you get that revelation, it's like, well, I'm an idiot then, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solomon would say, yes, you are. See, Solomon's offensive. He don't pull the punches. You don't believe me? Check this one out. I wanna talk today about maximizing your peace. Money and finances can stress people out. And we've said that through the principles of God's Word, if we choose to apply them, that actually you can make money fun again. And so this week, I'm gonna talk about maximizing your peace. Well, here's Solomon, straight shooter. He gives us another principle. Using a metaphor, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. There's that word again. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler or boss to make them work, they labour hard all summer gathering food for the winter. In case you missed it, this was Solomon giving you a slap in the face. He's trying to get your attention and my attention and he's trying to let us know that, that, that managing finances the way that God wants us to actually isn't complicated. Just look to the ants. And if you don't, Solomon's saying, you should be a little bit offended by this because what I'm telling you is if you don't look to the ants and you don't become wise, then actually you're dumber than an ant. <laughs> Those of you with uh, young kids, 
let's say under 10, uh, there's something that I, I think I know about you that maybe not everyone knows about you. You may have a relatively late model car, relatively low mileage, shiny on the outside. But the thing that I think I know about you is that whilst it's shiny on the outside, on the inside, it's actually a skip bin on wheels. <laughs> that your floor mats are the color of the rainbow because of all the smushed in Skittles and M&Ms that have made their way down there. That in between the crevices in the back seat, there's more grains of sand than on the shores of Cottesloe Beach. The upside, of course, is that uh, whilst your kids are that age, their uh, in-car safety has, has gone up. And I don't mean because of the car seats, I mean because of the fact that all of the spilt juice has actually made them stick like Velcro to the seats. And you can take a corner at 95 kilometers an hour and those kids aren't moving a single millimeter. Well, I just called you out. But if that's you, and that's your season of life, and that's your reality, here's a little, here's a little game I, 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 wanna, I wanna see, I wanna challenge you to, to play. During the week, this week's gonna get warm. It's a bit cooler today, lovely, but it's gonna get warm, mid to high 30s. Here's what, if, if that's you, you've got the skip bin on wheels, here's what I want you to do. One of the nights this week, <clears throat> I want you to park it on the grass or on the verge, and I want you to leave all of the windows cracked about an inch. Not enough for someone to be able to break in, but just, just an inch and just leave it parked on the verge in the warm autumn, not breeze. And uh, in the morning, I want you to take a photo and put it up on social media of just how many ants have made their way into the interior of your skip men on wheels. Because there's something that ants know. They know that when there's food available, it's game on. There ain't no other agenda for them. Ants understand seasons. And this is the point that Solomon's making here. Ants understand seasons. Ants understand that there are seasons in life where there's an abundance. And there's gonna be seasons in life that are gonna be a bit leaner. And Solomon can apply this to the way we work and the way we manage finances, that there's gonna be seasons in life where we've got a good job, uh, our business is going well, uh, our, our personal economy is actually trending north. And as is inevitable in life, that there will be seasons that aren't so abundant, that we have higher expenses, that perhaps we lose our job, perhaps our business isn't performing so well, perhaps uh, kids mysteriously pop out. Wh whatever it is, that we have to understand that... That, that life has seasons and, and, and that there's actually a different approach required in the different seasons. And the ants know this. They know that summer is when there's an abundance of food and therefore summer is when we need to get busy making sure we're creating margin, making sure we're creating a buffer zone so that when we get to winter, we can actually have a peace despite it being winter because we've, taken the advice of Solomon in the summer. Now, this is what happens. You and I, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. And at the end of our working week or fortnight or month, whatever it happens to be, 
your employer or your, or your business, if you're a business owner, will give you a bowl of apples. And this bowl of apples represents your paycheck, your income. And here's what, I'm not getting judgy, but here's what I think is just a pretty straightforward, standard, you know, lettuce and tomato kind of approach that we get our 10 apples and we take our 10 apples and we say, okay, mortgage company or landlord, I'm gonna give you three apples. And uh, in return, I get to have a roof over my head and, and, and so does my family. Fantastic, great, get that. So we've got seven apples left. Well, we take the next mm, three apples these days, prices are going up in certain utilities. We give them these to the utilities company. The ISP, which is, uh, which is one of the um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, water, and uh, high-speed internet. Uh, one can't live without them. Um, gas, electricity, uh, insurance, those sort of things, utilities. So utilities, they get uh, three apples and in return they give us stuff, services uh, mostly. Um, then we might take two apples and two apples, uh, groceries, say groceries, okay, cool. Then we take apple number nine of our 10 apples and, and, we, might, and we might put number nine, uh, Car expenses, fuel, insurance, that sort of thing, fantastic. And then apple number 10, uh, uh, personal shopping, entertainment. Cool. That, that's pretty, like, that doesn't sound outrageous or, or, or far-fetched, just that, that, right? Okay, I mean, like, okay, good, yeah, good. Glad we all agreed on that. <clears throat> the only problem is that as best as I can determine from God's instructions of how we should manage the finances He's entrusted to us, of how we should manage the 10 apples that He hands to us every pay period, is there's a couple of very important things missing here. And those are the two things I wanna talk about this morning. That yes, we've got a roof over our head and yes, we've got uh, gas and electricity. Yes, we've got groceries. Yes, we've got petrol and an insured vehicle. And yes, we've been able to go out for a meal and, and buy ourselves a, a, a new pair of jeans. And, and these all sound pretty straightforward and pretty normal. And I think if I walked down to the city and showed people this is kind of pretty representative of how a lot of us would spend their money, people are like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, see how I use my apples. But as far as God says how we should manage money, there's two very key missing pieces to this puzzle. And the first one is giving. That actually, as best as we can determine how God gives us instructions and principles of how we should manage the money that He entrusts to us, that actually, that we should give some of it back to Him. And in fact, not just some of it, but we should actually honour God first. Uh, USA Today newspaper, USA Today uh, recently surveyed a group of Netflix users and discovered that over 50% of Netflix users uh, were cheating on their significant other. And you think, why, why are Netflix, why are USA Today asking Netflix users about whether they're sleeping around? No, 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 that's, that wasn't the, the, the context. Here's the context. 
USA Today found that over 50% of the Netflix users they surveyed were cheating on their significant other by going ahead and watching shows that they'd actually committed to watching together. What a desperate world we live in. But before you get judgy, people, understand that the struggle is real. There you are, you're watching the shows together and your significant other decides it's time to fall asleep on the couch. And that episode finishes and Netflix now auto plays in five seconds. What are you gonna do? Maybe they've traveled for work and you're like, oh man, they're not back for a week. I probably can't wait for a week and like they're not here to catch me. You've got real, real entertainment needs that need to be met in a very short period of time. I get it. I, I honestly, I get it. Question, how many of you have ever done that? How many? Come on. Yeah, good. All right, all right. Okay, good. Yeah, three honest people. I like that. Four. Actually, actually in this corner, someone's putting their spouse's arm up. You're like, hey. <laughs> Well, sure. Uh, you understand that if you do that, you've only got two choices, that you actually either confess and rip the bandit off quickly, or you have to actually bone up on your acting skills, that you pretend you didn't ever watch it and you sit down to watch it again and you, and, and you have to go, oh, oh my God, can you believe that happened? It's just it's too much pressure. Well, here's the thing. When churches teach on... Um, honouring God first. Let me go to the classic, the classic. And if you've been orbiting church world for any length of time, this will be something you've been, probably the dots have been connected for you when re- teaching around honouring God first. Here's something that God spoke to, the, to, to His people through a prophet, a guy named Malachi, and said this, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. Now, by the way, you don't ever want God to actually be calling you out on anything, especially this sort of stuff. God's saying, you've cheated me. And, but you ask, these are rhetorical questions, what do you mean? Where do we ever cheat you? God says, you've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Now, tithes, it's a sort of Bible word. It means first 10%, the first apple. And God says, was reminding them that, hey, people, See those 10 apples? That first one actually belongs to me. And, and my instruction to you is that you, when you get your 10 apples, is you'd actually give the first one back to me, but you haven't been doing that. And because you haven't been doing that, God says in very strong language, you've been cheating me. Wow, really? Thankfully though, God in the next breath gives them a very simple fix. To fix this, God says, bring all of the first apples into the storehouse, into, it's a metaphor for his uh, then temple, now church, so that there'll be enough food in my temple. Now, it's strong, I get it. And um, it's really easy to teach that. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible, so we're gonna teach it. We don't, we don't get to edit the Bible. Let's, God's written it and we teach it based on the fact that he thought it was important enough to write it. Um, But the motive can so easily creep into guilt. Well, you bunch of bloody cheaters. How can you sleep at night taking God's apple and giving it first to 
your mortgage. That's not our heart and that's not our approach. We're not about guilt. We're not about pressure. In fact, to be honest, this whole series about economy is not because we or God wants something from you, but actually God wants something for you. And today I'm talking about there's actually a pathway to peace which is, a, which is an increasingly rare commodity in our 21st century Western culture, a pathway to peace, particularly when it comes to our finances in the pathway to peace, God says, actually, I've got a promise waiting for you. So here's the thing. God's in that breath. He said that bringing the first apple to him, the point of that is so that his church would be well-resourced to, to to fulfill the vision and the mission that he's called it to. And, and, and I believe that and we believe that. And Louie and I, my wife and I, we give our first apple to God and we wanna see that money used and do see that money used to reach more and more people with the message of Jesus. Here's the thing though, God kept talking. And, 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 and let me give you a little spoiler. He kept talking about this idea that you were cheating me by by giving your first, the first apple to someone else, but you should have been giving it to me. And, it, and, and, and then he went on to talk about, actually, if we fix that, if we remedy that, if we actually start giving God the first apple that he says belongs to him anyway, if we actually do that, there's actually a promise or actually a list of promises on the far side of that obedience on the far side of that decision. Let me, let me show you. Very next thing. So bring all of the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food. If you do, it's up to you. But if you do, it's your choice. But if you do, I mean, I'm not gonna come down and make you but, but if you do, I'm, I'm not gonna steal your pin number uh, and make sure that the first 10% goes to me. But if you do, I'm not gonna intercept your transfer of your wage, even though I could. Because it's up to you. It's gotta be something that you choose to do. But if you do, this is what I call a hinge point that the door is gonna swing one of two ways, depending on the choice we make when we stand at this hinge point, that God actually puts out to us an invitation. This isn't pressure, because He's not gonna stop loving us. Understand there's a difference between God's love and God's honor. God's love and God's, His love is unconditional. Yet obedience can unlock blessings beyond our wildest imagination. And here's what he says. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, aka God, I will, if you do, then in response, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Only part of the Bible you ever say, God, gives us permission to put him to the test. And that's because he's backing himself. He knows he's good for it. He ain't gonna run out of money. He, he like, whoa, no. 
God's never had a sleepless night. He's fine. He's, be, he's peaceful about finances all the time. Your crops will be abundant. I'll actually guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's an invitation that's followed with a blessing. And it actually blows my mind that, 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 that some people will trust God with their salvation, but not with their finances. And here's why it blows my mind. Those of you who have put your trust in Jesus for your salvation, you've actually acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God. You've actually acknowledged, some of you, most of you, not all of you maybe, but some of you have done this. I know your story. You've actually acknowledged that if you place your trust in Jesus, you acknowledge Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, that, 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 that if you do, He promised and promises to forgive you of all your sins, to make you a new creation, to restore your relationship with God and ultimately to live forever with God in eternity. You've put your trust in God to do that based on something you read in his word. You weren't there when Jesus walked out of the empty tomb. You read about it though. And on that written basis alone, Many of you have decided that that makes sense to me. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna trust Jesus with my salvation. Yet the very same Bible has this sort of stuff printed out, black and white, loud and clear, and yet we can trust God with our salvation and not with something so actually relatively trivial as our finances. Just, it's crazy to me. And it's not just God talking through Malachi, Solomon weighed in on this, Jesus weighed in on it, Paul weighed in on it. Here's what Solomon had to say. Well, he said several times, but let's just drop one of the truth bombs. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Oh, what? Hang on. There's a blessing on the back end of this? Yeah. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. There's another trap to teaching this sort of stuff because the other trap is this, that, 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 that it, 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 it's either easy to, to say or you, you and not you, just in general, people might mishear, think that the goal of this is that I give God my first apple and then He drops 100 apples in my car before I even get to the car park. And, and here's the thing, that's, that's God the vending machine. And God ain't a vending machine. He's not a slot machine. This isn't Vegas, people. Um, but He may bless you financially. But here's the thing, beyond blessing you financially, God's saying through all this, I will take care of you. I've got your back. I've got your front and I got both sides. That, that I'm actually going to journey through life I'm gonna get involved in your finances. You no longer have to live in fear and stress and panic when it comes to your finances. If you put me first, you can actually maximize your peace, your joy, and your purpose when it comes to finances. Honor God first. And then the next big rock that's missing here is pay yourself second. If you don't, here's a conversation. 
friend says to you, oh, so uh, how, much do you, uh, how much do you earn? It's not a very Australian question to ask, but some buff heads ask that from time to time. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I don't care. Uh, so they say, oh, how much do you earn? And you might say, oh, $80,000. Well, problem is, if you actually give all these apples away, you don't earn $80,000, you earn zero. You went to work and earned other people $80,000. You're dumber than an ant. So God says, honour him first and then pay yourself second. It's genius. It's like, why didn't I think of that? Well, you didn't have to. God did and he wrote it down and then we read it and we go, wow, so good. And here's how I bake this down. And this is a, this is a, a memorable and portable principle of, of how Louis and I have lived for 20 plus years following Jesus. Give, invest, and live off the rest. See, it rhymes, right? That's why I'm paid the big apples. Give. Thank you. Also why I'm paid the big apples. Invest, live off the rest. Give, invest, live off the rest. And God says first 10%. And by the way, He doesn't limit it to that. I know people who actually give their first 90% and they've actually been blessed and engineered their life to, to be that way. And that's amazing. And why not have that as a goal? But, but as a starting point, Angle yourself towards giving God the first 10% and then paying yourself maybe the next 10%. Give, invest, live off the rest. 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. Honor God first, pay yourself second. And, 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 and I'll give you a little pro tip here. <laughs> For these two things, honor God first, pay yourself second, automate it. Automate it. When your pay drops into your, spe- into your spending account, okay, if you missed it last week, go back into your spending account, automate it. Shuffle the first 10% off automatically and you can do that here with direct debit and many of you do that. You can use our app and set up recurring giving through PushPay and many of you do that, but you automate it on the day that you get your apples. I can't, I'm not actually banging the apple because I'm planning on eating this one later. I'm, it's theatrics, I'm banging my head. It's like, I'm like David Blaine up here. <laughs> Honor God first, automate it on your payday, because by the risk is when the sun rises the next day, you've already figured out a different use for the first apple, automate it, pay yourself second, automate it. Now, this may seem a little bit in conflict for those of you that were here last week and we talked about debt, about baby steps. If you're in debt, if you currently have credit card debt, personal loan debt, debt on depreciating assets, don't start putting this, into your, this, this te- second 10% into your savings account, put that into your debt, into attacking and eliminating your debt. When your debt balance gets to zero, then don't start eating that apple. Take that apple and then start putting that into now building up savings. Capiche? Yeah. Oh, man, I think I'm overpaid because this sounds so simple. <laughs> to give some apples back. 
If you're living paycheck to paycheck, I'm done. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, in other words, and I'm not, again, I'm not being judgy. It's not about that. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and, and, and if you are, you're not alone. Do a little, uh, get your Google machine out and do a little search, uh, average savings of Australian households, and it's pretty grim. Uh, and I know people that are living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not judging them, but as I said, they, they're actually not earning money for themselves. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, the, 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 I would understand, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a mind reader, but I would understand if you're potentially, even now, having a conversation with yourself, that if you're already struggling to live on 100%, how in the world is it going to be possible to then switch gears, change your pattern, change your approach, and, and, and live now off 80%? If, if, if 100% isn't already kind of, you know, you just kind of, oh, tomorrow's payday. <sighs> Made it another one. <sighs> Lights didn't get turned off this fortnight. <sighs> didn't have to break out the two-minute noodles this week. <sighs> if, if that's you, if, 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 if you're already struggling to take ten, the 10 apples you're currently getting and make them last until the next payday, it's possible that you're wondering how in the world, if I can't even make 100% work, would God expect me to make 80% work? And here's the thing, I just wanna kind of give you a little bit of perspective. If you've ever uh, had a pay rise by way of a promotion or a, you've, you've changed jobs and, and gone to a higher paying job, um, or you just CPI increase, whatever it happens to be, if you've ever experienced a promotion, then the point is this, at some time in your history, you used to live off 80% of what you currently make. And the problem is that when you got given another apple, you increased your expenditure and started spending that one and then you got given another apple and you started spending that. But actually, you could go back in time, you could just do the math, it's not difficult, and go back to a time when you were actually somehow miraculously surviving on 80% of what you currently make. At the time, it was 100%. And so to do this, when God says, if you do, requires decisions. But they're decisions that God backs. They're decisions that God gets involved in. They're decisions that God says, if you do, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. I'm with you. You're not doing finances alone. We're in this together. In fact, I'll become your partner in this. And not just your partner, but your senior partner. Because I, I got the better ideas. And we'll, we'll share those ideas. And, and we'll do this together. So what I want to do right now, and uh, this... If, <laughs> for those of you here as guests with us for the first time, this may have about this may be about to appear to be a setup because we're now going to take the opportunity to give the first apple. But it's not a setup because we actually do this every week. We don't teach on this every week. We do this every week. But what better time if you've never yet taken that step of honoring God first? What a great 
time to do that where I've just shown you a couple of many examples of God instructing us and inviting us to honour Him first. We keep it real simple in terms of how you can do that. Inside an envelope, which is orbiting near you, uh, you can fill out credit card details. I don't suggest you do that. I'll tell you why in a moment. There's our bank account details. You can get your banking app and start a direct debit, which many of you already do that. Louise and I already do that. We automate it every pay, gone. Um, in our Elevate app, there's a giving function there and that's actually where you can give via credit or debit card and that's fully secure and nobody sees your numbers. No, we didn't see them, your credit card number for any of that. Or, or you can give cash as well. Let's, let me pray. God, I thank you that you uh, consider us worthy to entrust us with this uh, honor actually of, of, of managing the finances that you entrust. In fact, God, that we, we actually live in a country where we even have finances to manage. And God, I thank you that you don't just set us up for failure. You don't ask us to do it on our own by our own smarts or our own strength or our own limited wisdom, but you give us clear instructions. God, I know it takes a level of faith for us to live like that. I know it takes a level of trust for us to live like that. And so my prayer right now is we, as we uh, take this opportunity to honor you first, God, that actually that faith would be rising in our church this very moment that of faith that we can actually trust you. Just as many of us have trusted you with our salvation, we can trust you with our finances, God. And if you do, if we do, as we do, that God will open up the windows of heaven in ways that we can't even begin to ask for or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.